You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Salvation from sin does not come from keeping the law, nor from any other observance, not circumcision, nor any ceremonial part of the law, etc., but only from the work of Christ and what he did for us in his death. Our sin is punished, and through the operation of faith in that sacrifice, God now imparts the righteousness of Christ to all believers. The Bible says very clearly that there is no one righteous and that even the best deeds man can do are as filthy rags before a holy God. Pastor Mike will be explaining to you today that there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor and forgiveness. It's only by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that can take your sins away and allow you to have fellowship with God. Don't fall into the trap of trying to earn God's love with works because you have the righteousness of Christ already within you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 15 as he begins his message, Accounted Righteousness. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, serve as our text. Now, after these things, and I'll explain to you what those things are in just a moment, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So that was our text last Sunday. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Now, we're we're really not sure about the identity of this Eleazar. There are several Eleazars in the Bible. But basically, I think most Bible commentators agree that this was just someone who was the head of Abraham's household. Okay? It wasn't his child. It wasn't his son. Now, he goes on to declare here, And Abraham said, Look, You have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, that is Eleazar, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he, that is God, accounted it to him 
for righteousness. So once again, this morning's message, the title is Accounted Righteous. We're most concerned with what is recorded for us in verse 6 of our text of Scripture. In fact, it may be the most important verse in all of the Bible. You say, why is that? Now, before I try to answer that question, you know, maybe some of you have thought about or wondered about, you know, how does Mike choose those particular texts of Scripture that he delivers on Thursdays and Sunday mornings in his message? Well, listen, this message is simply a no-brainer. Because for the first time, think about this, for the first time, it tells us how a sinful person can become right with God. That is, suggesting passing from sin to holiness, from wrath to blessing. So obviously, this is the most significant text of Scripture that we're going to be treating this morning. The Bible tells us here in verse 6 that Abraham believed God, and God credited it to him as righteousness. But here's the question, and this brings us to our first point. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Exactly what was it that Abraham believed in, whereby it was accounted unto him as his righteousness? I mean, if we find out what he believed in, then we can believe it too, and therefore also be counted righteous. But you see, here's the problem. Our text doesn't really tell us what Abraham believed in, does it? And yes, we have the object of his faith. We know that Abraham absolutely placed his faith in God, so we know that at least. But we are left in the dark about the specific content of what God told Abraham and what Abraham understood by that disclosure. So let me throw out some possible explanations. Was it God's promise to be his shield and great reward? Notice there in verse 1. And by the way, in context, remember, he had just come back from fighting against that confederation of kings that had come into the area that had sacked Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, that just looted those cities of the plain, and held his nephew Lot and his family as a ransom with uh, just over 300 armed men in his arsenal. He went out into battle against that confederation of kings, and God went out before him and gave him a great victory that day. But now, flush with victory, after the victory had already taken place, Abraham must have been thinking, oh my God, you know, my goodness, what have I just done? No doubt these guys are going to come back uh, and out, they're going to be out to get me. And so that was the reason why, in verse, 15, uh, in verse 1 of chapter 15, it suggests that Abraham is anxious, and that's exactly why God said to Abraham, do not be afraid. Now, why did God say, do not be afraid? Because Abraham was afraid, right? So that's what verse 1 was all about, and that's what we talked about last Sunday. If you aren't here... So anyway, that's what's going on there in verse 1. So was it God's promise to be his shield and great reward, as it was to the anxiety that he was uh, feeling at that particular time? Or was it assurance he would have an heir? Notice in verse 4 of our text, we're told exactly that. What was it that Abraham was putting his trust in, whereby it was accounted unto him as righteousness? 
was it the promise of his numerous posterity. Notice there in verse 5. Or was it the promise of a homeland and name that would be great? And you've got to go back to chapter 12 and verses 1 through 7, a text of scripture that we've already gone over, where God had promised him that as well. So was it any of those things that Abraham was placing his trust in, his faith in, and therefore it was accounted unto him as his being righteous? Was it all of those things, or was it something else? Was it something greater? Was it something deeper? Well, again, we're not told exactly what it was here in the text that we're treating. Well, to find the answer to this question, you have to look elsewhere in the Bible. We have to appeal to other texts and other books of the Bible. Now, here's an interesting fact about this announcement, this statement that's recorded for us there in verse 6. The interesting thing about verse 6 is that it is repeated three more times elsewhere in the Bible. And if you're taking notes, write these down, check them out for yourself. We're not going to look at all three of them, but we are going to consider one of them in just a moment. The first of which is Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. So what we have recorded here in our text in verse 6 is repeated for us in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. And then once again in James, in the book of James in chapter 2, in verse 23. And then lastly, and this is the book of the Bible that we're going to consider and take a look at in just a moment, in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, in verse 6. But each time it's repeated, it's repeated in a different context. Now, the one that we want to zero in on and focus in upon this morning is that text of Scripture in Galatians chapter 3, in verse 6. So I'm going to ask all of you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Galatians, in chapter 3, in verse 6. Well, actually, we're going to read the previous verses leading up to verse 6 in a moment. So one of these, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6, this is where we want to focus in on this morning, is is a specific answer to this question because it tells us what Abraham believed in and sets for us an example for us to believe in as well. Everyone, okay? So with that said, before we go ahead and read that text of Scripture, that specific verse, we need to talk about the book of Galatians, I think, in just a little bit. I'll give you some background. The intent and purpose and theme of this book of the Bible is the grace of God. And Will was touching on that just a moment ago. Remember, as those Judaizers had come down from Jerusalem and tried to bring those new believers, those new Gentile converts, back into a legalistic kind of relationship with with God, they just couldn't fathom, they just couldn't wrap their heads around the idea that a Gentile could come into the middle of this whole process and receive uh, salvation and be accepted of God without being circumcised, without keeping parts of the ceremonial law of the Old Testament and such. So basically, Paul writes his letter addressing that subject. So Paul, some of the background now, how the church began, how it was uh, established. Paul had preached to the Galatians there in South Asia Minor. 
Uh, it's recorded for us in the book of Acts in chapter 13 and 14. And it was Paul himself who established churches there. And he taught that salvation from sin does not come from keeping the law, nor from any other observance, not circumcision, nor any ceremonial part of the law, etc., but only from the work of Christ and what he did for us in his death. Our sin is punished, and through the operation of faith in that sacrifice, God now imparts the righteousness of Christ to all believers. And the church there in Galatia initially embraced that teaching. But as I mentioned, and also as Will had mentioned just a moment ago, certain Jews had come down from Jerusalem and laid this works ritual trip upon them. And so Paul is writing to, collect, uh, to correct that. And so basically the book of Galatians, that's what it, Galatians is really all about. It's a corrective epistle. Now, the most important part of Galatians is chapter 3, where Paul presents Abraham and basically says, no one, not even Abraham, has been saved in any other way than by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, I've gone a long way to set this up. So Galatians chapter 3, let's go ahead and begin in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Interesting question. And that's a really legitimate question, right? And I would put that same question to you this morning. How have you received of the Spirit of God? Was it because of your works and your performance, or is it simply the result of placing your faith in Jesus Christ? Well, anyway, it goes on here. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Therefore, he, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, there's that text, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Okay, now here's the most significant verse in this text, verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all of the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Okay, now, think about this. When Paul appeals to Abraham here, he's not just pointing to just any historical example. Because we know that Abraham is someone who is acknowledged as the father of the faith, right? It, God got a hold of this man. And it was through this man that Israel came to being through which the Messiah was born, right? Through the line of Israel. And so Abraham is not just simple, you know, some simple historical figure. He's acknowledged as the father and prototype of Israel. And listen, all of the Jews recognized this. They understood this. 
Okay, so with that said, how then was this important figure, Abraham, saved? And how was he justified? Well, Abraham simply looked forward to the coming of Jesus Christ and did trust him as his personal Savior from sin. Notice, go back to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8. The gospel of Jesus Christ was announced in advance to Abraham. And that's exactly what we're told there in verse 8. Where it's absent in our text in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, it's present here in the book of Galatians in chapter 3 and verse 8. And then notice Paul adds in verse 9 that the promise of blessing is not some mere material thing, but it's rather a spiritual blessing. And it has to do with salvation. And it's available to all people from every nation. Isn't that what we're told there in verse 9 by Paul? Now also notice, Paul goes on here in Galatians chapter 3 in verses 13 and 14, and he says that the spiritual promises received and believed by Abraham concerned redemption. It's not a promise from worldly trials, but rather salvation from sin's curse. So let's read verses 13 and 14 of Galatians chapter 3. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, referring to his crucifixion, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Gang, listen to me. Jesus delivered us from the bondage of sin at the cost of his own life. Why? Simply because he loves us. Now, did Abraham foresee and believe this? Yes, absolutely. It's true. But I also need to add and mention his understanding would have been limited because he didn't enjoy some of the advantages that some of the New Testament, not some of them, all of the New Testament saints uh, had. Or we're a bunch of privileged characters as well. Think about it. We know so much about the events of Christ's life and so on. We have the record of them here in the scriptures. We're blessed. But you know what? The absence of those things in Abraham's life, if you think about it, only makes his faith more spectacular. Think about it. He had so many questions, I'm sure, about this one who was to come that God had spoken to him about. But that, again, makes his faith only more spectacular. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, verse 13, you know Hebrews chapter 11 is a hall of faith chapter, and we have there mentioned many of the, you know, the heroes, uh, particularly of the Old Testament, and uh, their faith, and how they placed their faith in God, and how they overcame because of their faith. Well, notice it goes on to declare here, and this would apply then to Abraham as well, but not only to Abraham, but all of the Old Testament saints. These all died in faith. This was before Christ came. These are, this is a reference to those Old Testament saints that are mentioned there in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 that make up the Hall of Faith chapter. And Paul, who I believe is the, book, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews, says they all died in faith not having received the promises, 
That is, Christ hadn't come yet. But having seen them afar off, in other words, God had spoken to those individuals, and were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims upon the earth. So again, the absence of all of the things that we have, all of the advantages that are ours, the New Testament saints, which would include us as well, it only makes Abraham's faith more spectacular. Now, that brings us, so that's what Abraham believed in. He believed in the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Now, that brings us to our second point this morning, and that is all the saints of old. So if you're taking notes, write that down. There's only two points this morning. All the saints of old. Listen. It's not only Abraham who in the Old Testament was justified by faith in Jesus Christ, but it's all the saints of old. For example, consider Jacob. And if you had the opportunity, and you know, how cool is this? One day we're actually going to meet Jacob in heaven, right? And I got a lot of questions for Jacob. Jacob is really an interesting character study, isn't he? And uh, when we're first introduced to him, He's recommended to us as the heel catcher, the conniver, right? Guy who lived by his wits. But at the same time, it was sort of like a mama's boy. You know, when we're first introduced to uh, Abraham, he's in his mom's kitchen alongside of her cooking up meals and stuff. Where his brother, his twin brother Esau, was a man's man, right? And when we're first introduced to Esau, he's out in the field hunting, you know, for his food kind of a guy that all of us as men would like to identify with, right? And uh, Jacob is an interesting character study. But listen, he was the kind of a guy that you would never want to come up against because he would rip you, if he had the opportunity, he would absolutely rip you off. He would have made a good used car salesman, you know? <laughs> he would have been great at that. But anyway, if you had the opportunity to, and one day you will, but I got a lot of questions for him, like for example, you know, the angel that he wrestled with that night before he had the encounter with his brother Esau who had intentions in his hearts to kill him. You know, what was that like? And was it, in fact, a theophanies? Was it Jesus Christ whom he had wrestled with that night? Got him to the place of crying out uncle, by the way, as well. And uh, so anyway, I got a lot of questions for uh, Jacob. But if we had the opportunity now to ask Jacob, hey, Jacob, on what basis were you saved? He would say, well, of course, you know, it's because of my outstanding character and my ancestry. I mean, after all, I bore 12 sons, which later on became the 12 tribes of Israel. And it was through my loins that Israel even existed. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be, oh my heart. You've been listening to Pastor Mike Finizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. 
We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for daily doses of the word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house with you.